Welcome back. This is Nope, I'm Scared podcast. I'm Ella. And I'm Alexa. And you might hear Josh at some point because he's also here, but not here. He's hanging out with us. I just think that this case is one that he might have outbursts from. I don't know what this case is, as per usual. Yeah, I just decided I just like to keep everything secret from Ella. But the thing is, I think that... <laughs> well, okay, she likes to say that she doesn't want to tell me what it is, but the truth is she does tell me, and I... I, I no, don't. I don't. I haven't I haven't told you one single thing about this case that I spent the last couple days working on. Because the problem is that either you'll ask me questions and then spoil stuff for yourself. That's true. Or you will look it up and then spoil things I for yourself. I won't. I'm not that low. Okay. I mean, I give you permission to look up things as, as I talk about it's this It's mainly case. just pictures and stuff. Yeah. For visual mm-hmm. reference. But yeah, sometimes you'll mention a case to me and we'll be actively talking about it and we'll hit it up a week later. I'm like, I don't know what we're doing here. I'm like, yes, we do. What's a podcast? Yeah, Ella is the in one ear, out the other. Woo! And also she's been super busy, which was why we were gone last week, because, yeah. Hey, but we're in person this week. Yeah, I told Ella that for this case she had to be here because I needed to see her face. And I get, like, so out of it. So every time we're doing a phone call case is the case where I'm, like, not present, which, you know happens yeah but we're here in. yeah chicken we're here we're queer we're full of fear i'm Let's not queer as far as i can tell <laughs> you're like i'm not sure but i, I think have so. like bi energy that i'm not doing anything about it and i've found my partner who is a man so <laughs> it is what it is he got bi wife energy and maybe i'm he the bi wife i don't know exactly you've got time <laughs> Good to- the end of the earth apparently <laughs> eh, it doesn't matter Anyways. Just, just me. Um, it is another Terrified Tuesday, even though it is Saturday, and what? it is Nope, I'm Scared After Dark, which we haven't done in a while. It's been a minute. Since it was, like, actually dark in the sky. Yeah, and we record late. We're in my lovely studio, hashtag apartment. <laughs> um, Same thing. I mean, but it's a podcast studio, but also a studio apartment. As we are sitting <laughs> on your <laughs> <laughs> and it is very fall in here. Oh, it's amazing. fall in this bitch. Top tier decoration. It's not done. Because August doesn't exist. Fuck off. August is just pre-pre-Halloween. <laughs> it's just like the pre-game for it. And yeah. then you have September, which it's is like really setting like, up to it. Which is just like round one. Exactly. It's, it's like the, that you're getting it's, ready. It's the like, uh, it's either the like um, rehearsal show or it's the like, the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got you. <laughs> yeah, the thing before the the big thing. The build up to the anticipation of it. You're like, all right, we're getting yeah, into yeah, this. August is the build up to the anticipation of the real thing. <laughs> yeah, you're following with us. I you got you, it. Whatever. If not, just nod your head and smile. We won't know. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Anyway, so I was explaining to Ella briefly. That for this case, <laughs> yeah, don't remember whatever it was. I um, <laughs> I, I told you. her that I was trying to find cases that I did not know about, and um, so I went digging for some things, and I stumbled upon a very interesting case because oh? it was turned into a movie. Oh, that 
is old. So that's why I think we didn't know about what? it. And I think, like, Hollywood, if you're listening, one, give me a job. Two, don't take <laughs> this movie idea that I might be working on now. Just saying. Because it was a movie in 1971, I think, and I don't think it's been remade since. What the fuck is this? It's called, the, the movie was called The Town That Feared Sundown. <laughs> Both me and Josh went, It's what? not a sundown town, as far as I can tell, but it's, it's a town, town that, fears that nighttime. feared sundown. That yes. sounds so ominous. Yeah. It's, like, kind of nuts. Um, and also, I wanted to say before I get started with anything, if you didn't already, like, get what this story was based off of that, this is going to be a huge trigger warning. It is gory. There is sexual assault stuff. There is blood. Um, yes. Just terror goes in the... general. Um, what the and fuck so, is this? Yeah, if you're not wanting to hear about any of that stuff, we'll see you next week. Yeah, we're around. Because I'm going to try and get this into one part, even if it's an, a really long episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't want to do another another no two-parter. Two okay. So, I am going to take you back to the, the time, olden days. The time that Alexa should be around in. So, like, the, 40, the 30s, the 40s? We're in, the 19, we're in 1946 in Texarkana, Texas, yeah. slash Arkansas. Because if you didn't know, Ew. Texarkana is a city that is split pretty much right down the middle from Texas and Arkansas. Thus the name, Texarkana. Yeah, and I believe city, like, I looked up pictures because I was trying to tell more about the city, but, like, the city hall, it looks like it sits directly on the line. That's so And so they've got, like, the signs everywhere of, like, this side Texas, this of side course, Arkansas. Of course, And so, I well, don't know. I feel like we've all in some way heard about Texarkana, but nope. never in reference to what- Didn't hear about this. I've I been... know about the Four Corners, but I don't know exactly what city it's in. I mean, I've heard of Texarkana, but nothing, like, I know that it is a town. I've heard the name before. <laughs> no, it's I know a it's a town. That's oh, all I got for you. Okay. Well, um, okay, so back in 1946, where we are currently. Okay. It was a very much smaller town where the outskirts of town literally dropped off into just nothing. Like, not like As a... Texas and Arkansas does. Because it's huge, you know. Yeah. Not because... And then, like... <laughs> They're, like, on a planter. <laughs> there's just nothing. Yeah, just, like... It, there's, <laughs> it's just, like, a little dome, and you fall over, like, the world, you know? Like, you exactly. just get too the far to... flat. Right. It just ends. I know. But, no, there was land We're outside of everyone. the town. <laughs> and it just was dark, and nothing was in it. It was desert. Yeah. Okay. It's dry. You've got a cactus here and there, some tumbleweeds. So... What happens to the outskirts of towns when you're a teenager? From Molotov cocktails? Uh. Who are you trying to <laughs> pretend that you are right now? I don't know. Shady shit, creepy okay, shit. Okay, let's say if you were a young lassie and you wanted to spend some time with another young lassie, where would you be? I I I would not be on the outskirts of town, but hypothetically, I know that's the answer you're looking yes, for. Yes, they became lovers' lanes. 
these outskirts of ta- of the town. Zuh. Okay, it's technically all... two. <laughs> technically, yeah, you're right. And so it is the beginning of 1946 when this town was about to go through a wild shit show. Okay, well, we're in World War II now. Or did it, it just over. end? It's it just, just over. Ended. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm setting it up in my mind. Mm. All right. Yeah, got be- beautiful hair, red lipstick, everyone's the fashion, yeah, the cars, probably milkshakes. The environment, <laughs> the milkshakes, which we're still <laughs> waiting for to come in. We ordered some milkshakes yeah, already. Yeah, my favorite murder. We were like, mm, I want a milkshake. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get some milkshakes. I know, which we both got chocolate, which is not like yeah, us. Yeah, normally we, we get, get strawberry. strawberry. Okay, well, back on topic. Just that <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it is February 22nd, 1946. The weather's still fucking weird because it's Texas It's Arkansas. still cold because, guess what, it's Texas, and Texas gets cold. Texas is so weird. Especially northern Texas. So Jimmy Hollis was 25 years old and was on a double date with his girlfriend, Mary Larry. Mary Larry. I think it's that. It's L A R E Y. So it's either Mary Larry or like Mary Larie. I feel like it's probably Mary Larry. That's what I think. Because Larie would be like L A R I E. Okay, and Mary was 19, and they had gone on the double date with Jimmy's brother, Bob, who sounds totally like a real person. (laughs) Not suspicious whatsoever. (laughs) Um, And Bob's girlfriend, but they didn't give a name. Okay, that, also, it totally sounds like I they were also definitely a real people. This. No, yeah. I think there really was a double date because people were cute back then. <laughs> <laughs> the shade. Um, I just want to say I did take a lot of my stuff pretty like straight or paraphrased from Wikipedia, but surprisingly, when I went down to the resources for this place, most of the stuff comes directly from this town's newspapers. Oh, shit. Like, they had, like, 60 references, and I would say about half of them or more were straight from the newspapers, because this was super everywhere in the newspapers. There's also a few books that they used, which I want to read, and there's even one that came out after, I'm guessing, they compiled all this information. How big is your TBR getting after researching for this podcast? Well, I don't write it down anymore. I just, I, I say I want to read things and then forget about it, and then Josh buys them for me because he listens to the podcast. And I still don't read it. Because <laughs> Good fiancé material, man. We respect it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a thumbs up from the boy. <laughs> Barry the, the boy. boy. <laughs> okay, um... So I did get it from Wikipedia. There's also more information that I didn't include because it is, there's a lot. Um, so I would read it because it seems like it was really well organized. I organized it a little bit more for storytelling purposes, but the information is solid. Okay, let's do this. Okay. So they had gone to the movies. As one does. I mean, a classic. We love a classic. it. classic. We, we went to, to the it. talkies. That's the 20s, right? Talkies. The talkies, yeah. We went to the picture show. Is that something? No. The theater. The flickers. The flickers? <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. I don't think that's a thing. I think I just made it up. Um, <laughs> we can make it a thing if you Flicko want to. was a horse. Let's <laughs> <laughs> okay. not unpack that. No. So they've gone to the movies, and Jimmy um, had just dropped his brother and his brother's girlfriend at home. 
before he was going to take back Mary. Um, but on the way home, they decided to stop at a lover's lane for some more alone time. As one does. Yeah, it seems like these weren't always, like, hot and heavy things. It was, like, more to, can you stop messing with all your money? God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just giving Josh the tips for our milkshakes. Okay. It seems to me that when people went to these lover's lanes, it was more about getting space to talk where not everyone was listening because this was a small town and so people tended to know things even Gossip. when you didn't tell them things exactly and, and so ridiculous and our so, town's like that too yeah it's it was i think less so when i lived there but there was still there was still talk um and then, so, like, this was, maybe they weren't doing anything, maybe they were just sitting there talking to each other. I don't want you guys all being like, mm, so steamy. Blocking yeah. up the windows. You know, Danny Titanic, hand on the windshield. <laughs> no. Anyway. So it was about 11.45 when they pulled on, also, when I tell you guys streets, most of these streets and places don't exist anymore. Which the Wikipedia was very good about thinking, but like I didn't care. I was like, I'm not going there, so yeah, I don't. Like, oh, need I don't to, care. Actually, like I'll tell. I'm gonna say where things were when they were there, but I don't need to know what they are now. Cool. I'm sorry, Texarkana, Texas and Arkansas. I'm never going. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't need to go. <laughs> Watch for us this end thing. up actually getting a tour. Having I mean, to go there. it might be fun. Anyway, so they pulled off at about. 11.45 onto Richmond Road, which was an unpaved road about 100 yards away from the last row of houses in the city. Far. Yeah. That's a football field. That's pretty... That's out there. No one, no one can hear in you. In the Texas no dark. No one can see you. It's just wasteland. Well, and when I, when I looked at pictures, some of the roads had, like, these bushes on, like, both sides. Which it looked, or, or like trees that hung I don't down like low, it. Hang on. and so you couldn't. It looked like you couldn't really. See. I don't want you looking at. Okay. Okay. But like, okay. so it looked like they were. It looked more secluded, and not like just in like Arizona. Open. Arizona. Okay, that's what I'm picturing. Is Arizona? No, I nothing think Texas is. has a bit more greenery, at least in the northern parts. Because it gets more rain and yeah, whatnot. and I think there's a forest in Texas, which makes zero sense to me as a Californian. <laughs> I just think desert. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but I like Waco, Texas. It's pretty. Anyway, okay. Um. So then, at about eleven fifty-five. A flashlight shines directly into the driver's side door, blinding both Jimmy and Mary. Oh, shit. Jimmy thinks this is a prank. You know, how you think someone might prank you by driving out to there in the middle of the night? I'm gonna say it's a cop trying to get you guys. That would also be what I think would be a thing. That's my go-to. Oh, a cop is like, kids gotta get home. Um, it's 11.45! Gotta get home by yeah, you. Gotta take your young lady home because she's respectable. Because um, <laughs> it's the 40s. It's the 40s. Uh, and no more boomer babies. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, anyway, so he thinks this is a prank and he tells the guy, you got the wrong guy. Move on. Very bold, I might think. Bold? But 
he could be worse. Okay. Um, the response he got, though, was, I don't want to kill you, fellow, so just do what I say. Mm, there's the red flag. <laughs> there the it is. The red flag for me was the flashlight in the fucking window. I, like, can't see shit. They couldn't see who was behind the flashlight because it was blinding mm. the whole area. So they just saw light and, a, like, maybe a, the outline Light of a of dark a... person behind them. Behind the flashlight. Yeah, alright, I see your point. So, yeah. Um, okay. They are both ordered to get out of the truck from the driver's side, where they finally find a man standing outside. And he is wearing man. a cloth mask on his head, like a pillowcase, with eye holes cut out of it. Yeah, that's, uh... Mm. Strangers? Did you ever watch the movie The Strangers or see the? You I, remember the trailer? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know exactly what you're. That's talking what about. I'm picturing. Which did you know that movie is based on? I loosely did. off the Manson murders, which oh, was like I didn't. I knew it was based somewhat off a true story. Didn't know it was the Manson murders. Which I was though. like, they didn't wear things. They were no. just crazy hippies. <laughs> yeah, they just believed that I Manson mean, was Jesus. That would have been even creepier if they had gone. And also, I feel like there's, like, a bunch of it where they're just watching them from inside while they're outside just staring at them yeah, with yeah. these bags on. Also, some of the girls have, like, plague. The, the, what is it? Not the plague. Um, <laughs> the plague. The purge. <laughs> <laughs> the purge masks. And I'm like, that is so much creepier than the Manson people were. Yeah. Just strolling let's, up in. Let's everything, get some Everything's super orange in that movie. Hmm, yeah. yeah, yeah, these fuckers. Yeah, you don't want to see that standing outside. Oh, in Texas, fuck no, in the middle of nowhere at like midnight. Yeah, it's midnight. Do you know what we're talking about, Josh? He probably didn't. You just turn it around. So no, that would be a no. <laughs> His face was a big no, thank you. Okay, what about this one? This one's a better picture, Josh. Okay. <laughs> His expressions—they're just so much fun. Okay. Um, okay. So then the man tells Jimmy to take off his goddamn britches, because it's the 40s. And it's really hard to take it as, like, a threat when he said britches. I'm gonna make a tally of how many times you say because it's the 40s. I'm done. I'm done. I, I We're don't... not, but okay. Okay. Uh... And so, so Jimmy did, because he was scared. And as he did, the man struck Jimmy in the side of the head twice. Ooh. Um, to Mary, this didn't sound like him getting hit. He, she thought he got shot because, um, hell no. Uh, so she thought he'd actually been shot, but what she was actually hearing was that he had hit him so hard he fractured his skull, and so she was hearing his bones crack. I don't like it. I, the I don't of, like it. <laughs> oh my god, your face. <laughs> I don't like it. Ugh, um, also, I think the first one is like one of the worst, in my opinion. Okay. Oh, great. We're, there's more. So Jimmy falls down unconscious immediately. And, I mean, yeah, no shit. And Mary is scrambling now. So she grabs Jimmy's wallet. Because she's like, this has to be a robbery then. Mm -hmm. And so she's trying to prove that they don't have any money. They're just two kids. Yeah, they're just fucking uh, kids. And she's 19. She's a woman. And she definitely doesn't have any money. And her um, boyfriend is conked the fuck out. Um, but the man hits her on the head with the barrel, like, with the, the, the bottom flashlight. of the gun. 
Oh, because he has a gun. He hit right. Jimmy in the head with the right. gun. Right. And he just tells her to run. So then Mary tries to run down the ditch that would take her back into town. He's like, not that way. Run that way. Up the road. I don't like this. Um, um I'm, hmm. So of course she does what she's told and she runs up the street where she finds an old car that's just completely empty at the end of the road. That's not suspicious at all. As she turns around, she's confronted again by the attacker who then asks, why are you running? Like a crazy person. And she says, because you told me to. Are you trying to make the, not make a joke right now? Is that what you're doing? Is that what you're doing? That's what Dot. Why that's are you what, running? I know. Why are you running? <laughs> and she says, because you told me to. And he's like, you're a liar. What the fuck is happening? I don't know. Is he still wearing his mask at this yes. point? Yes. So there's not, you can't, like, have someone else watching them do this because he's still in the fucking mask. Mm-hmm. I, said, I told you it was the same person. The um, fuck is He happening? then knocks her to the ground, and this is where it's bad, mm. um, because he sexually assaults her with the barrel of the gun. What? Which, like, how terrible. One, traumatic. Secondly. Two, could get shot. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Oh, girl. This was like my first day of research, too, and I was like, oh no. Off to a great start. Oh no. And then he just leaves her there. What? Um, the- I have so many questions that I'm not going to get answers You're going to get more questions. Also, yeah, because this is not a solved case. That, okay, makes it so much worse. Mm hmm. I just. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so she runs, uh, she gets up and she runs. What She's passed by a car that she tries to flag down, but what they just the ignore reason? her and they keep driving. So then she runs half a mile to the nearest house and, like, pounds on the doors until she's able to get the people inside to wake up and open it, where they then call the cops. Back where Jimmy is, he wakes up to find nobody around him. And is like, what the fuck? Fractured. And he's able to flag down a different car, maybe the same car that had just passed Mary. Don't know. Um, and he tells them what happened, and that Mary's gone. The car leaves him there to go to a nearby funeral home so that they can call the cops because it's the forties. <laughs> Because it's the 40s. Nobody has phones. So, like, we're going to go to a funeral home, but we're leaving you here, I think they wanted to make... Well, one, they didn't want him to, like, move around too much, probably. And two, they wanted to have somewhere for the cops to find. I'm guessing. I don't like this. Um, 40s logic. It's 40s. Yeah, so he also calls the cops. The cops get there within 30 minutes. Seems like a long time to me. Does. Because we have two people calling and it's a small ass fucking town in Texas. Yeah, it's midnight. What are you doing? Were you asleep, Sheriff? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Josh shaking his head. Um, So Sheriff W.H. Bill Presley (laughs) and three officers arrive at the scene um, and the attacker's long gone, which I wrote, duh. You got there 30 minutes late. Um, and they, like they managed to find Jimmy's pants a hundred yards away from his car. 
And Jimmy had suffered three skull fractures and was hospitalized for several days at the hospital. Um, he was in critical condition, and after four days, he showed slight improvement and was but still wasn't fully conscious after four days. Slight improvement's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, he went on to live. Like, he's fine. Mary was traumatized. As you would expect. And had nightmares for a long time to the point that she actually had to move to Frederick, Oklahoma to live with her aunt and uncle. Um, And they would tell people that she was, um, for the first time in her life, they saw her be extremely nervous and she refused to go upstairs by herself or sleep alone. Fair. Uh, Jimmy and Mary gave conflicting reports when they were questioned by law enforcement. Mary thought that the man was wearing a white bag with cutouts for both eyes and a mouth. Uh, and she said under the mask he looked African American. But she says light African American, which is interesting. That's also, you know, midnight and he's shining a flashlight. And in she's your faces, terrified. And, and she's terrified. Yeah. Uh Jimmy And it's Texas and Arkansas. So Texas, like, there could be a little stuff going there on. Some light uh, racism. A light racism <laughs> splash sprinkled in there. Oh god. Uh Jimmy thought the that the man was white. Around 30. Um, but did, I mean, Jimmy probably got a better look at him before he got conked out. Yeah, he did say that he could not distinguish features as he'd been blinded with a flashlight. Both of them said that the guy would be, would be around six feet tall. Um, the law enforcement, however, like, continued, continuously went to Mary and challenged her story of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and they believe that both her and Jimmy knew the person, but were covering up for him. What? Which makes zero sense. That makes sense. no fucking sense. And they also sometimes don't want to include it in these things. They say it's not connected, and they think it was, like, this own thing that they did. Okay, well, first off, why would you think they're covering up for the guy when there's clear injury? <laughs> It I know, it's not DoorDash. Not yet. It was an alarm. <laughs> it's my Lessie Depressy alarm. DoorDash is going to be here in like a minute, though. <laughs> um, yeah, like, first off, fuck you. For, like, she's been traumatized, and you're going to continuously go there and be like, you're fucking lying. And she's like, I'm sorry, were you there? Yeah. Were you there? Because I was literally like sure maybe she's not getting the like characteristics of the person correct mm-hmm. because he's wearing a mask and so it's dark and so it's you're already just, dark yeah and, and she's so, blinded and she's for, i don't know what was going on i don't know how everything was going down but like i'm sure looking at this guy was probably the least of her concerns yeah and so fuck you guys <laughs> um and then for them to be covering up, why? Why? Makes zero fucking sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then we're gonna move on. Everybody was like, wow, that was crazy. That never happens here. We're just a small town. We're gonna bury it under, like, some Riverdale shit until something else happens. Um, that would be Mark 20. Mark 20. <laughs> I wrote Mark in here. March. 
March 24th. March 24th. I wrote Mark. I'm Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, March 24th, 1946, is about the next time things were not going to be all quiet in Texarkana. So we're going about a month or so from February to March? A little less than a month, but pretty close, yeah. Okay, Um, bring it on. So around 9 a.m., a driver notices a car parked on Richmond Road, which is known as a lover's lane, and not too far from a night spot called Club Dallas. What Club I'm guessing Dallas. is this road is long and because they never mention it where um, Jimmy and Mary were. So I'm guessing it's further down in a different spot on Richmond Road because these were both Richmond mm-hmm. Road places. This person thought that the couple had fallen asleep and they'd been needing to get back to their families. So he approached the 1941 Oldsmobile. I love it. I love it so much. Beautiful cars. Such beautiful cars. Such beautiful. Um, but what he found was something very different than he expected. Um, a man and a woman were inside with bullet holes in the back of their heads. Uh, and uh, when okay. the police arrived, they described the man as being on his knees with his head resting on the, his crossed hands and his pockets were turned out. So this was a robbery in the back seat was a woman sprawled across the seat and face down. Oh. There were blood pools outside of the car, which made the police believe that the killer had actually acted outside of the car and then placed them both back in the car. That feels like so much more effort. I agree, but there was a lot of blood outside, so... It's and not it's, like it was just leaking. It's from really the car. awkward for this dude to be on his knees. Like that's not how someone would be in the car. Yeah. So that's weird to me. Um, both victims had been shot in the back of their necks, but the man had two more shots on him that they believed happened after he'd been put back in the car because the blood had congealed on the driver's side floor. There was also a thirty-two caliber shell from a Colt, and besides the woman was her purse, which contained a picture of a woman with her arms around a black and white dog, um, which when you paired it up with the class ring that was still on her finger, with the initials P-A-N on the inside, the police were able to identify the victims. But they couldn't do it by her face? Um, I think because when you get shot in the back of your head, oh. it, like, comes out the front. Also, they didn't have IDs and stuff back then, so well, they it was didn't probably know. a bigger gun. Like, a bigger gun shell. Yay! So they handed me Denny's at first, and I was walking away, I was like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We so ordered we Denny's. milkshakes for them. Denny's? Yeah. Chicks bring on the boys to yard. They're like, we better than yours. That's such a weird song. <laughs> it's so weird. Hey, baby, let me get the milkshake. Oh, I remember what I was going to say earlier. You called August pre pre Halloween, and I was just thinking pre pre Halloween. Pre pre Halloween. So- I love you. That's why. <laughs> Can I have my, my yeah. milkshake? Okay. So, Richard Griffin was 21. 20- Wow, 29-year-old World War II vet who had just been discharged the previous November. 
Uh, he was living with his mother and contracting out his services as a carpenter and a painter. The girl in the car with him was his girlfriend of six weeks, Polly Ann Moore, who was 17. Poor baby. No, there's a lot of, like, age discrepancies, but, like, it's the olden times, so... It's the 40s! It's, like, still... Anyone! Anyone in the world! <laughs> it's still bad, but, like... Yeah, it's you still know? bad. Because that guy was, like, 12 years older than mm -hmm. her. Um, Which isn't too much of an issue. But she's 17. Yeah, like, it's unless almost, she's a minor. It's almost her exact age. So that's weird. Um, okay. <laughs> Polly's friends said that Polly was the homie type of girl. Not, uh, did they use the word homie? Did they, they did actually? use homie, yeah. But like, oh, E-Y, yeah, not I-E. Or homely, I guess, if you want that Got another it. form. <laughs> it was like, she's the homie type girl? Like... It's the 40s. Wait. <laughs> got myself a little confused. It's okay. Um, and that she did not go out with boys much. I mean, that would make sense, as a lot of boys were not around for the last four to five years. Yeah. You know? Also, men are gross. Yeah. Sorry, Josh. And she was too young for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Women equal goddess. Um, they were last seen at 2 p.m. in a cafe with friends... And then again for a final time at a different cafe having dinner with Richard's sister and her boyfriend. Um, Seems like she lived a pretty chill life, ma'am. I mean, I loved cafe hopping. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Living life, 17, my 29-year-old boyfriend driving around. This is for great. Getting some milkshakes. You know. As one does. As one does. In the 40s. Um, stop. <laughs> The city police on both sides of the border joined up um, with the Department of Public Safety, Miller and Cass County Sheriff's Departments, and the FBI. And by March 27th, local wow. police had interviewed around 50 to 60 witnesses, including patrons of the em and employees of Club Dallas. And by March 30th, police had posted a $500 reward, which is $7,000 now. I did look all of this up. That is important information to have, because I was going to ask. That's insane, too. Um, in an effort to gain any information about um, Richard and Polly's murders. Um, however, At this point, did they connect the dots between the first and the second one? No, they didn't think it was... That's so weird, because I feel like if things happen in such a small town like this, and on less the same than a month road apart, with another couple... I feel know. like I'd be looking at it. I mean, I'm sure some people were, but... Um, however, the, re the reward yielded no fruitful clues or suspects, and all of the eyewitnesses, or whatever, instead of actual leads, produced over a hundred false leads. Which is something I've been talking to Josh about a lot lately, because I've been working on a different case where I've had to prove that eyewitnesses suck, okay? Yeah. They're not good. People don't remember shit. People are unreliable narrators. Yeah. I don't remember shit we talked about 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And I was telling Josh, like, because recently we found um, there was a, a bird attacking where birds attacked other birds for food, as birds do. 
And mm-hmm. so we found a piece of skeleton. And so I asked him, I was like, was that yesterday or was that today? And he was like, I have no idea. And I was like, that's why eyewitnesses are bad. Especially if things happen like... Was that on- yesterday or today? I don't know. That's... <laughs> that's what he said. I don't know. And I was like, I think it was yesterday. That seems like a pretty noticeable time difference. But okay. But it's a thing, like, if you... People think, well, I do this every day, I would know. And it's like, no, because you did it every day. Mm -hmm. Days blur together. You don't know if you did something on Tuesday or if you did it on Wednesday. Because you don't know what Wednesday is. I don't know what I had for breakfast, like... Uh, Zucchini pasta. I don't know if I had breakfast Probably not. You don't eat breakfast. Yeah, I worked. (laughs) Cool. Um, Anyway, so yeah, eyewitnesses, not credible, uh... What is the word? Fucking sources. Sources. Whatever. No. Whatever. <laughs> We're we've been in this game long enough. We should know. But it's I right. have the word. It's just not coming out. We'll think of it in credible few evidence. There you go. Not cool. credible evidence. You know the simplest of the the detective, <laughs> detective words. <laughs> the detective narrative okay. can't get the word evidence. So the next day that we're going to work on is April thirteenth. 1946. Okay. This one is sad to me, and I have a lot of questions. Do I want to know? Probably not. Uh Like, I want to say, like, the first one was the worst, but, like, we don't know. Because, Mm -hmm. like, the first people survived, so, like, we know exactly what What happened, happened? but we don't know everything that happened with these two. Yeah. So, Betty Jo Booker was a 15-year-old junior at Texas Mm -hmm. High School at the time. Girl... She was raised in the church and was a member of the Baptist Church. She was also a member of the Delta Beta Sigma sorority, which I'm very confused about as mm-hmm. she was in high school. Yeah. Um maybe like an honorary like her parents or were. Or maybe it's just fucking Texas and you guys love your like special niche things like your Greek houses your, or whatever. Your, your pageants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you just you really like to celebrate things. So I'm not... Maybe I just don't know. Um, so she was one of four officers of her high school band, and she played um, a Bundy E-flat alto saxophone. Okay, that's very in, specific. In Jerry Atkins Orchestra, which they called... Baby, you're going to like this. The Rhythm Airs. Um, they played at proms and other events. Betty and her friend Paul Martin had been friends since they were in kindergarten, Mm. um, and they lived on the Arkansas side until she moved over to the Texas side. So far. So So far. far. The whole other side of town, (laughs) in a new state. To change your address and everything. They were still friends, but they didn't go to school together after that, I think. (laughs) Um, Betty was super popular. She had a lot of friends, and she was well-liked. She also had a lot of boyfriends, but none of them ended up being very serious. She loved music and swimming. Hey, girl. Um, And she liked dancing in programs and recitals. That sounds so nice. She had a lot of awards from, like, all different areas, like literary, scholastic, like, dancing, musicals. Like, she's just talented. Um... And she was also the citywide title of Little Miss Texarkana in 1934. Wow. You know, pageants. We love pageants. You guys love a pageant. She was 15 and 46, so she, she would have been, been like three? 
Yeah. Yep, toddlers and tiaras. Texarkana in the Great Depression. Oh god, in the Dust Bowl. <laughs> oh my god. Hillary. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna make a joke. Am I gonna make a joke? I'm gonna make a They're just living it up, ma'am. Okay. Um where was I? Little Miss Texarkana. Okay. Uh, she also, when she was Little Miss Texarkana, she was representing the Presbyterian bookstore. So cute. <laughs> she seems like, I just, like a the doll. ideal. Yeah. If she was a straight-A student, she wanted to be a medical technician, like, go girl, 1940s. Yeah. She did all Great. the things. All of it. Super um, smart. Paul Martin was 16 at the time, um, and he worked for his, get it babe, family's ice plant. The face. The slow turn. <laughs> what? He knows. Josh likes ice. So. That's his thing. Not the organization. No. The, the element of ice. Um, okay. He was described as a quiet kid by his brother, but he was in the same church as Betty. Um, but he went to the Gulf Coast Military Academy in Mississippi after ninth grade which was there which was then middle school so in 10th grade he went to to high school at this military school um and that was but then he ended up going to a different school in kilgore texas which was about a hundred what he's kind of all over the place but the kilgore was about a (laughs) hundred miles away from texarkana Um, i don't think you can expect anything good to happen in a town named kilgore Okay, but on Friday, April 12th, Paul drove the 100 miles from Kilgore to Texarkana and stayed with a friend. The mm-hmm. next day, he spent the day with Betty until she had a, her regular Saturday night performance with her band. And Aww. he picked her up from the VFW Club, which stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars, mm-hmm. because I bet you didn't know that, because I didn't know it either. Uh, he picked her up around 2 a.m. to take her to a slumber wow. party. And that was the last time anyone saw them. Oh no! I know, they seem like just two good bros. They're just they're trying to do their stuff. They're just doing shit. Yeah. She just she was playing in her band, going out with some friends. And he was just like, I'm. A, he, I think he just came to see to hang out with her, and then yeah. to pick her up at two a.m. That's late. That's like, really late. You you love somebody a lot if you pick them up at two a.m. <laughs> oh, yeah. from the airport, especially if it's LAX. You love somebody, <laughs> especially if it's LAX. <laughs> Always people there. So Paul's body was found around six thirty the next morning, or I guess that morning because it was two a.m. when he picked her up by Mister and Missus Weaver and their son. Paul was lying on his. Left side on the northern edge of North Park Road, and blood was found further down on the other side of this road by a fence, which makes me wonder if he, like, jumped it or something. Um, I don't like it. I think that their murder is bad, so I want you guys to, like, buckle up, because I am sad, because they were just some good beans. Yeah, we need more good beans. <laughs> good they beans. get murdered. He had been shot four times. Once through the nose. Through the left fourth rib from behind. Uh, a third time in his right hand, which to me sounds like he was running away. 
Like, both of the shots from behind to me sound like he was running away. So the nose probably would have been the last shot. Um, he also was shot through the back of his neck. So to me, maybe he was shot there and then flipped over and shot again. Like, that's how it sounds to me. So Plus probably this guy... the hand, the rib, the neck, the nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, I just think that this guy it's a was mad. Douchebag. And, yeah, a complete arsehole. Arsehole. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay, Betty wasn't found until 11.30, and she was nearly two miles away from where Paul was. What? After Paul's discovery, they made a search party to find Betty because she wasn't where she was supposed to be, and everyone knew that Paul had picked her up after her performance. Was Paul by his car? I will get there. Okay. Betty was found by the Boyd family, and she was lying on her back behind a tree. She was still fully clothed, and her right hand was inside of the pocket of her coat. She'd been shot once in the chest and once in her face by the same thirty-two caliber Colt as a weapon. So we all know it's the same guy at this point because he uses the same weapon. Except we don't know about the first ones because they didn't know what the gun was and nobody got shot. Mm, that's true. So that's why they're still like, we don't know if this is connected to all the other ones. I'm going to go with a yes. I just think with all these, like, around the same time, there's another one later where they're also like, I don't know if this is connected to the, the whole thing but either. But it, like it like, definitely is. I think if you've got all these couples getting attacked in within three months, probably the same guy. Okay. Anyway, um, where was I? Fully clothed behind a tree with a weapon. Okay. Paul's car was found parked outside Spring Lake Park, which was about half a, a mile and a half away from where Paul was found and nearly three miles from where Betty was found. And the keys were still inside of it. So these fuckers were dragged or the guy stole the car? Or they ran in different directions. Yeah, he was probably like, you go this way, I'll go this way. I think he probably was just like, bolt. I think that because Paul didn't get as far, I think he, he went down first. first. And I think Betty kept running and maybe tried to hide and he came back for her. That's so scary. That's what I think happened. That's so scary. Um, Imagine, like, being fucking terrified and, like, hiding in the woods... Yeah. At, like, three in the morning. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if it's quiet. I'm assuming it's quiet because it's Texas. Yeah. So, and it's the 40s. <laughs> you were so right. I'm not yep. dumb. <laughs> I, hope, I hope people don't know what era we're in when we're done with this episode. <laughs> yep. But, like, I, I wonder if she heard... Is it, coming. is it far enough away? Like, how far can we hear as humans? Like, could she have heard what was going on with Paul? I don't know. She probably would have heard the gunshots. Maybe that. And so then what? And then what do you do? And then you don't she know where to go. She probably heard the gunshots and then hid. That's what I think. Like, I think she was, like, hiding and because she got shot and in the back of her, her neck. And so then she probably went down. He probably flipped her over and shot her again, too. So it just seems to fit that way for me. I hate that. That's so scary. Yeah. the Both of their post-mortem examinations in indicated that both of these kids, because they're kids, yep. 
had put up a huge struggle before their death. And the police then went to the family and friends who said that these were friends. Like, I think they were like, would they have gotten into an argument? And I was like, who's ever seen an argument this bad? Yeah, what? no. Also, how did they end up in two separate places? Exactly. It doesn't make fuck? any fucking sense. And the car, like, that far away from them? Doesn't make any sense. They, so anyway, the friends and family both said that uh, they are, these are friends uh, they do not fight, and they don't even have enemies because they're fucking kids. He picked her up at two in the morning. morning. Like maybe he didn't love her, love her, or but he loved her. Yeah, you know. Um. So also when they went to the friends, Betty's friends had no idea why they were at the park because they knew that Betty and Paul were just friends, so they didn't know. And she yeah. was supposed to be going to a slumber party, so I... Yeah, they were both expected to show up somewhere <laughs> that early in the morning. Like, well, it also seems weird to me that Betty decided to go to a slumber party at two in the morning. Who's up? It's late. Just oh, I'm go guessing home. maybe it's, like, with some of her band mates? No, I don't think so. It seemed like she was going to, like, a friend's... I don't know. It's all... It's weird it's to me, but 40s. not, like, the we weirdest thing. Yeah. It's not the weirdest thing, and... The only thing I can think maybe is that maybe they pulled over because they haven't seen each other. He lives a hundred miles away. Yeah. So if you don't really out. have like access to the crank phone, um, well, and you already said like it's kind of somewhere people just go for privacy and to just talk, you can't talk, yeah, because your parents are around or everybody else is around. Something's happening. Yep. Um, so with nothing else to go off of, the police then begin to start looking for Betty's saxophone because she'd left a performance. She was supposed to have it. Where was it? Yeah. And so they're thinking, if we find this, we'll maybe we'll is. find somebody else. They did, like, track a creepy guy who had gone into a music place in, I think, Atlanta, Texas. Um. And had said, had walked into this music store without a saxophone, said, hey, do you want to buy a saxophone? And they were like, let me talk to my manager. And then the guy started to freak out. And then he, like, was like, why do you need to see a manager? And then, like, she was like, we just have to do this. And then I think he took off. And then the girl called the cops. And so they found him. And they, like, were like, what the hell are you doing? It was also the same type of saxophone as Betty's saxophone. Oh, that's but it was not all just It was actually all. all just very coincidental. And he was oh, just... Oh, okay. He wrong just place, was, wrong time. Yeah, and he didn't have it. It wasn't Betty's. Because, right um... Six months later, they find her saxophone in the bushes near where she had been. And How I'm like, wow. That's why I said. I was like, wow, cops. <laughs> So either it wasn't there and someone dropped it over there in the same exact spot. Or y'all just suck at your job. Or yeah, you didn't fucking look around. Seems more likely. Seeing as you thought this was a murder-suicide. Like, part of me does kind of... How the fuck would you shoot yourself in the back of the neck and then the face? Mm. Yeah. This doesn't... No. That entire theory doesn't make sense to me. And like... I was, part of me was like, why was she running around for three miles with this thing? I was like, well, maybe she was going to, like, use it as a weapon. It's heavy. It's, it was in one of those, like, fake leather cases. Cases that you couldn't swing and, like, smack someone mm-hmm. with. Yeah. So I was like, maybe that's why. 
Or maybe she just panicked and took it with her. I don't know. Yeah. Um, after Betty's death, the Rhythm Airs never played again. Oh, um, guys. Yeah. Like, they talked to her orchestra leader and even friends who still lived in the city, like, 30 years later. And they were just like, it was so traumatic for everybody that we don't, like, they still don't really talk about what what they were going through when that, when they heard this out and stuff. So, yeah. Several classmates and her band leader attended her funeral two days later. At the Baptist Church, um, both both of their funerals were on the same day. Betty's was second, and it also had heavy rainfall during their funeral. So, like, like God, scene. God was crying. Yeah. The Texas high school dismissed the students at noon so that they could go be at her funeral. Mm-hmm. Um. And hundreds of young people attended both funerals. Mm-hmm. It was really touching for Betty's mom to see this long line of teenagers follow behind Betty's casket. Yeah. And Betty's orchestra leader was one of her pallbearers. Guys. I know. The reward fund went from the original $500 to over $1,700. Whoa! Which was uh, $24,330 now. Holy shit! Um, as they wanted to search for now the culprit of two double murders. Yeah. And then this is when the rumors start. Because oh, it's a Lord. small town. Okay. Um, there was one rumor that the minister had even turned his own son in, thinking that he'd been behind the murders. That, okay. Um, the sev- the second double murder shocked the city further, and they instated curfews for businesses and for people. Um, it got so bad that the cops had to release a statement in the paper that they had not caught anyone yet, and said, please stop talking about uh, they, it. They, they, they pleaded the community and the newspapers to stop making rumors because it was, quote, a hindrance to the investigation <laughs> and harmful to innocent persons. Um, to the, the cops of the Times credit, they did seem very strongly opinionated in the fact that they did not want to be looking at innocent people. Yeah, that I can respect. Yeah. Uh, This was also after the second double murder that the newspaper coined the attack, the Phantom Killer. That's a cool name. Don't give him a cool name, guys. We gotta give him a cool name. Did you say we gotta give him a cool name? I mean... But it's gonna... The ego boost. But nobody wants to cover a case called the Sad Salapander. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. The Lazy Killers. That just sounds like a sad band name. (laughs) I don't know what to do with that. It's like the killers, but they don't really do anything. (laughs) They just sit and they kind of cry a little bit. (laughs) It's not a real real drum set. It's just a... (laughs) Right, it's like a tambourine. Yeah. (laughs) It's a cowbells, maybe. Um, So, the next and final date that we will talk about is May 3rd, 1946. So is that like one, that's like one or two a month? Um. For three months. Because it started in February. It started in February, and then we had March, and then April, and now we're in May. 
So one a month for like four months where these people are terrified. Mm-hmm. Great. Cool, cool, cool. Walter Virgil and his wife, Katie Starks, meaning this guy's name is Walter Virgil Starks. I just... You know, it just. Um, honestly, I'm including he knew what he was doing. Virgil, because everyone seems to call him Virgil. Um, I mean, so, he knew what he was doing with his name. Just saying. I mean, I don't think he named himself. So, <laughs> still, still, man's got it. Um, Virgil was 37, and Katie was 36. So these are the oldest people he's gone for. Mm-hmm. They had been married since March 2nd, 1932. And they lived together on a ranch-style home that sat on a 500-acre farm. They were just chilling, For sure. I'm about to say, like, some serious 40s stuff here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't say that I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> okay. Um, they lived not far from both Walter's brother and Walter's father, and Katie's sister lived right across the street. Respect. I have questions because you're on a 500 acre farm. So, like, what's the layout um, for all these people to live around you? I think, like, the brother lived, like, a mile away, and then their, and then their, his dad lived two miles away. But how is somebody right across the street? Questions about layouts, but I don't know. I'm not a city planner. Neither am I. Um, he was well, so Virgil was well regarded and respected as a progressive farmer who had some talent at welding and would often help other farmers who live nearby. He seems like a just solid guy. Yeah. Solid got, he's guy. got a lot, it's the 40s. He's got a lot of time for hobbies. Yeah. I mean, look at us now. We have so much time for hobbies. Exactly. He was probably in the war effort, like... Probably. Probably survived the war, came back, worked his farm, lived with his wife. Sounds pretty chill if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, on this night, they were home together, and Virgil had switched on the radio to his favorite weekly show. The Toffees. The radio. The Toffees. Because there weren't TVs. <laughs> Which I, I love, I, I love when, I love the sound of shit coming from an old radio. Oh god, I know. It's amazing. So I wrote LOVE in all caps, because that's my aesthetic. Because we do, we do love it. Um, Katie handed him a heating pad because his back hurt, Aww. and then she went into her bedroom to get ready for bed. They're just a nice, chill couple. Yeah, so Virgil settled into his armchair with a newspaper when mm. Katie, who was now in bed, heard something come from the backyard. No! Baby, get out of there! Um, she asked Virgil to turn the radio down. And seconds later, two shots were fired into the back of Walter's head from the closed double window three feet away. What the fuck? Katie didn't hear the gunshots. She described it as the breaking of glass and thought that he had dropped something. So Katie goes in there to see what's going on. And as she enters the doorway, she sees Virgil stand up and then suddenly slump back into his chair. And that's when she sees his blood. No, girl, girly. I want to say Katie's a badass. I'm about to see both of all of your eyeballs. Like, no, like, you'll know. Like, you're going to stare at me and you're going to be like this. Like, like. 
What? <laughs> she did what? Uh-huh. Okay. Um. So she runs to him. She lifts up his head, but she realizes he's already dead. Uh, so she runs to the phone to call the police. She has to ring the wall crank phone twice, trying to get an operator to answer. But she's before she can, she's shot twice in the face from the same window. Girly! One bullet enters her right cheek and exits behind her left ear. The other went in just below her lip, breaking her jaw and splintering out several teeth before being lodged under her tongue. Okay. She falls to her knees. Does yes, one does. I would think you do. Um but like a badass, which is what I wrote, she gets back on her feet and she runs to get a pistol from the living room. Okay, she really? has two gunshots in her face. One is under her tongue. The other one went through her cheek. And out one. her left ear. Dude. She has a broken jaw. And enough consciousness to... To get the pistol. Fucking women, man. Okay. Um, so she's trying to get to the living room, but there's blood all over her face and her eyes. Um, so, but, so she can't really see where she's going, but what she can hear is the killer tearing loose the screen wire on the back of the porch. So she knows she's running on limited time. So she, yeah, she thinks that he's gonna come in, he's gonna kill her. And so she's stumbling towards her bedroom, um, where she takes the time to leave a note, which I wish I fucking knew what it said, but I couldn't find it. I have to do more research. I don't know where the, what the fuck, what happened. Um, I don't know where the what the fuck. So while she's doing this, the killer is running to the back of the house, uh, and he goes up the steps and into the side screen porch through the back door. Katie hears the killer coming in through the kitchen window, so she turned around. She runs through the dining room, through a bedroom, down a hallway, through a different bedroom, and then into the living room and out the front door. Ma'am! The cops explained that she left a, quote, virtual river of blood and teeth behind her. Ma'am! I'm seeing your eyeballs. <laughs> Ma'am! Okay. Um. So, barefoot and in her now blood-soaked nightgown, she runs across the street to her sister's house. No one's home. So she runs 50 Great. yards to a man named Pratter's house. Pratter answers the door. She gasps, Virgil's dead, and then passes out. She's she's a badass. I said that. Yeah. She's a... Yeah. Um, so I wrote this now, which you'll understand, because we're in Texas. Like... And it's the 40s? It doesn't matter if it's the 40s in this situation. (laughs) But, like, we're, you'll know, we're very much in Texas. Because Pratter's response to this collapsed woman was to shoot a rifle into the air to summon another neighbor. Yeah, we're in Texas. (laughs) Without a doubt. I mean, I guess, like, efficiency? Because you maybe (laughs) don't have a phone? But, like, I don't know what time... What, did I say what time it was? It, we know it's late. She was going to bed. She was going to bed. He's reading and watching watching the radio. Listening to the radio. The talkies. 
But yeah, so yeah, um, <laughs> fired a rifle into the air to summon another neighbor who was named. Gonna let him know where they are, though. Um, I mean, I also think it's like, well, I have a gun. <laughs> That's so, true. Especially since I believe it was a rifle. Yeah. Yeah, a rifle. Mm -hmm. So Elmer Taylor is this neighbor who gets summoned via rifle (laughs) salute. (laughs) That's just how they send messages those days. They're like, yeah. "Yeah." And then Prouder then sends this guy to get his car. All right, then, Prouder. And so these two men take Katie to the hospital. Um, And this was really funny to me. Um, Katie decides to give Taylor one of her teeth that was filled with gold because <laughs> it was a thanks and thanks here's my gold tooth <laughs> she's like i don't have many teeth anymore so you can have this one she's like i never want to meet guests without a present because i have southern <laughs> hospitality <laughs> so here's the tooth man this girl kicks ass she also was semi-conscious like the whole the whole ride over to the hospital and slumped forward in the front seat. Um, she lost a, a ton of blood, but did yeah. not go into shock. How the fuck? And her heart rate was normal. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> this woman is literally a mutant. <laughs> yeah. The best under pressure ever. Oh my god. What? Is this lady uh, subhuman? A prohuman? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Not subhuman for sure. We're just gonna settle with a complete badass. A complete ba- a, a total woman of a woman. A total woman of a woman. <laughs> um, she was questioned in the operating room by <laughs> Sheriff Davis. Like, what? give this woman some time. Fucking men. Oh my god. Like, I know you want all the information, but, like, let her get surgery. <laughs> Please. Please. She's got, like, a bullet lung. Her <laughs> face. How are you trying face. to talk to her? Uh, uh, <laughs> she's like, got a at the dentist. Jaw, like, a... Like, uh, at the dentist. I had camera her by her. Oh my god, I want to know those notes. What did you write down, Sheriff? Okay, okay, yep. Um, this was also when Sheriff Davis became the head of the investigation. Four days later, he goes back to talk to Katie, um, where she discounted a circulating rumor that Virgil had heard a car outside several nights in a row. Of course there's already fucking rumors about it. Of course it. there is. Um, like, I guess they were saying that they had heard a car, like, repeatedly for four nights and that they thought that they were going to be targeted. She's like, that's bullshit. She's like, no. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> She's far smarter than that, but obviously. Don't, don't, don't catch me outside. <laughs> don't do that. Especially, like, yeah, because at this point, the town is terrified. Yeah, no shit. It's four months of this unrelentless murdering of people. Yeah, women who had money packed up their children clothes and they went downtown to Hotel Grimm, fitting. Yeah. Um, I don't think you all want to be in the same place, though. Just saying. Well, because well, it's, it's like, a public area. It was when their husbands were out on business. They all just mm-hmm. were like, we don't want to be at our houses by ourselves, so we're all going to go down to the, to the hotel. Smart. The um, things you gotta do. 
And, like, honestly, I, I know I've said this, like, we're in fucking Texas, but, like, this is also some just, like, Texas shit right now. <laughs> like, it's beautiful and, like, oh, my God. Absurd. At the same time. Like, yeah. honestly, like, you guys are badasses, but, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> all I can really, like, bit. oh, my God. Okay, so I'm going to keep going because um, okay. those who could not afford to go to Hotel Grimm or it filled up because I don't know how many fucking rooms a hotel has Fair, back in everyone. the 40s in Texas. Exactly. Nowhere. <laughs> um, so they decided to rig Rube Goldsberg S security systems <laughs> with wire and pans <laughs> to like trap zombies. Oh my god! Hands like, like so. Okay, babe. You know, like when in like zombie movies, they have these things and they attach like cans to it. So when you walk over, it goes. That's what they were doing, so that they could know someone was coming. Yeah, this guy has a gun. Like, um, yeah. But they put it all around their property. People who had never owned guns now slept with them under their pillows and on both sides of the bed. And they made these pallets on the floor Fucking so that Texas. their children could sleep next to them. Um, and in the Texarkana Gazette on that Sunday, May 5th, said that didn't didn't fucking help anything. Because he was like, the killer might strike again at any moment, any place, and at any one. You can get your kids. Grab you your, your kids. Dog. Grab your wife. <laughs> exactly. Um, get the hell out of Dodge. Like... Like, this was a city that always left everyone's doors unlocked. And now everyone was being super dramatic. And they were locking their doors, arming themselves. People were nailing sheets over their windows. Some nailed windows down. Um, They used screen door braces as window guards. Stores were selling out of locks, guns, ammunition, window shades, and Venetian blinds. Okay. Yeah. I think that it was because, like, they're getting shot through windows, so, like, yeah. you gotta block the windows. You have to keep them from seeing you. Um, I mean, all valid concerns. Other things that were going up in sale were window sash locks, screen door hooks, night Literally latches, anything that and help. any other protection device, basically. The whole weekend into the next week was a legit fucking nightmare. It's the purge. People kept all their lights on inside and outside, and the town became a literal ghost town as soon as the sun would go down. Um, Police had floods of calls every night about prowlers from residents, and they would just go, and it'd be just somebody. Just somebody. Yep, Um, just anybody. Liquor stores saw a drop in sales as soon as the sun went down, and they decided they would close at 930 because they didn't want to add fuel to the fire by supplying these people with alcohol. <laughs> um, We're not going to encourage this. Because the community was so considerably like paranoid and armed with guns, very Texas, um, yep. it, the city became a very dangerous place. When, the, when officers would drive up, officers had to turn on their sirens, stand in the headlights, and announce themselves because they might have gotten shot by people. Oh my god. That's so intense. Like, I have a siren. I'm getting out. It is me, Sheriff Davis. 
I'm just a police. I'm just trying to do my you job. You called me here about the prowler. <laughs> I could be doing actual work, but you be keep doing calling me else. about the cat. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I can't. Um, there was a, a a guy who run who ran a tavern accidentally shot a customer um be, in the foot because he was coming in to look for beer. Like that's not a fucking customer, that's a thief. Just, that's a thief. I mean maybe you knew him. Maybe it was Bob. I don't know. But like he didn't you closed at nine thirty. What are yeah, you doing true. there? True. Get out of my beer and whiskey. Get out of my beer. Um Get out of my swamp. Thanks, Josh. I heard that. So, Captain Gonzalez did not also didn't help the hysteria because on Tuesday, of the the Tuesday after the second yeah. the, or the last mm-hmm. murder, um, he told citizens, 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 <laughs> citizens in the newspaper, quote, that they should oil up their guns and see if they're loaded, put uh, them out of reach of children. Do not use them unless it's necessary, but if you believe it is, do not hesitate. All these people are fucking paranoid. Yeah. I don't know how more people did not die. (laughs) Just as a result of this mass hysteria. Yes. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. When asked what advice he could give to quiet the town's fear, he said, I'd tell them to check the locks and bolts on their doors and get a double barrel shotgun to take care of any intruder. Who tries to get in. Man's is not helping. Bro, that was legit what they asked you not to do. <laughs> they were like, don't do this. Anything else, please. They were like, what should we tell them to calm down? Get a gun. I don't know. <laughs> Cause more hysteria. Everybody should just shoot everything that moves. Do you think that the guy who did this is just watching all of the shit go down with like a quiet glee? Knowing that he caused I mean, all of these problems. I probably some of it. I think that these people do like creating their panic. own problems. Not even that, but like people literally had like no idea who this person was. Um, so that's the last of the stuff, but now we'll get into the investigation. It's Look, time to get into the theory. When the police arrived at the farmhouse, they, the officers and the sheriff say two different things. The officers uh, say that the heating pad had caught fire, and one described it as smoke coming from underneath. Um, what did I? What his name was Walter. Walter Virgil. Yeah, there we go. Um. So they said there was smoke coming from underneath Virgil and swirling out around his legs, but the sheriff said that Virgil was actually fallen on the ground, and the chair was just on fire. The fuck? Very different statement. Very statements. different statement. Also, yeah. very different from what Katie said, because Katie said he went back onto the thing. But if she had tried to, like, get him away, it might make sense that he's on the floor. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I think I trust what she said more than anything else. Honestly, because she's the badass that I want to. I'll give my first board shout out to. I don't have to because she did. It's the 40s. Exactly. It's the 40s. Um, okay. So after the chair fire, maybe, they found Katie's trail <laughs> of blood and teeth 
and had no idea how she didn't bleed out. Yeah, no shit. They also found two bullet holes in the back window, thinking, and they figured that he, the killer had probably shot inside and then waited for Katie to come around the corner. Which she didn't do. Well, she did, and that's how she got shot, because she... Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first went time. to the phone. So I guess the phone was in line. Mm-hmm. Um, they found a twenty two caliber shells in and around the house, so that's a different gun. A flashlight had been left in the bushes, and several bloody footprints were around the house, as well as in the kitchen. There were also smudged fingerprints in other places. Twelve men that had been either driving by or were just around the farm at the time were all picked up and taken in for questioning. Nine were released Mm -hmm. very quickly, and they kept three for further questioning before releasing them as well. The cops yeah, called wrong place, wrong time, guys. Yeah, the cops called in everyone and eventually had forty-seven people working on this case. That's a lot. That's a lot That's of a people. Lot. I didn't know there were that many cops back then. <laughs> I don't. Definitely they, not cops who can do their job. Um, the they this number included sheriffs from four different counties as well as FBI people in two different states. Mm-hmm. Texarkana. Mm-hmm. They brought in bloodhounds and they sent the flashlight to DC for testing. Um, wow. And then because it's Texas, there were local teens who took it upon themselves in the following weeks to continue to park at Lover's Lanes to try and draw the wow. killer out. Like, you guys, wow. you're fucking badasses, but like, calm down. <gasps> Please. Calm your tits. Um, Gee, this is like lot and we're hitting R-rated Nancy Drew here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Scooby-Doo That's game. That's I said. Hollywood, don't take my movie. I'm gonna fucking write something. Um, oh my god. A cop found one car out there at night and he approached it, only to find himself at the end of a of a pistol and the girl in there being like absolutely ready to kill him mm-hmm. and he was like aren't you afraid of being out here and she's like i think you're the one that needs to be more concerned <laughs> oh my god um i'm so impressed yet so concerned so many teens became like vigilantes right now <laughs> uh, like one time a guy a, a male teen had followed a bus because he saw someone that he said looked shady get onto it, and he followed the bus, and then the cops followed him in unmarked cars, so he didn't pull over. So they ended up having to shoot his tires, and then when they asked him, they were like, he was like, well, I thought maybe it was the guy. Yeah. And so it was getting to be such a problem that they had to give (laughs) a statement to the, quote, teenage schlutz to stop. Because, quote, this was not, this was a good way to get killed. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I can't, this is so funny, but so concerning. I know. At the same time. It's, this fucking is wild. There's so many things going on. This is so um, crazy. The newspapers got a hold of the fact that officers were wondering if this was maybe a sexual motive um, to the killing because it was not a robbery. Katie's purse had not been touched and it had both money and jewels inside of it. And there was money left elsewhere in the home as well that had never been worked on. 
Um, I think his motive is to kill for the sake of killing. I think he's one of those guys that just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah. I think I think that he probably had gotten a little bit full of himself. after, Like, he messed up with the first couple. Mm-hmm. But he had it down the second one. And then he got, like, yeah, the next one. And I think this one is also, like, it's an older couple. I'm doing this. Nobody even is looking at me. Yeah. Nobody knows shit. And they're on a fucking farm. So I think it was... He did not expect this lady to be as much of a badass as she actually was. Yeah, he didn't expect fucking the Wolverine Katie Starks. (laughs) Exactly. That's what you get with the woman with such a powerful name. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so the reward fund was raised again to $7,025, which is now $100,540. There's definitely some incentive in that. And the newspapers began running the headlines detailing a sex maniac was behind the murderers. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) These fucking newspapers. I know. Um, the cops were able to get a mobile radio station that allowed for two-way communication. Much like what cops have today, so it was able to they were able to talk to various cop cars as well as back at headquarters. Right on, actually. And they had a fleet of patrolling cars in the whole community. It's pretty dope. They also lie. were talking to other, like, police departments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, in other cities and stuff. So it was pretty advanced for the forties. Exactly. If I say for the forties. Um, the flashlight came back from the FBI with no fingerprints found on it. How? I don't know. Maybe he was wearing gloves. Maybe. Um, so they were forced to go to the newspaper, and the newspaper ran the picture of the flashlight, and they had basically, like, a, have you seen me? (laughs) Underneath it. I Um, can't. And, like, the cops really had no leads, so they had to go to the community and be like, if you have seen this flashlight, if you maybe think you know this flashlight, if you also could look back and think of anybody who was out of place that normally isn't out of place, or if anybody... A flashlight's kind of a hard thing to go by, guys. But they're also, like, just, like, think back to the nights of the murders. Were people not where they were supposed to be? Or did they say they were supposed to be? anything stand out to you? Yeah. Um... But at the same time, they're also being like, but also stop spreading rumors. So, like, remember back, but also don't tell they're us They're, like, things. stoking the fire, is for sure. Um, because, but, but all of these rumors were sending them, like, everywhere. And exhausting oh, yeah. all of their forces. And a wild goose a chase. A wild goose chase. Um, they had, uh, after the flashlight in the newspaper they collected twenty five hundred dollars for information but then just added it to the general fund um because they believed that it had all been the same guy yeah so now the fund is at ten thousand dollars which is a hundred and forty thousand dollars and one (laughs) dollar now it just keeps going up um and a month later virgil's father jack adds 500 more dollars. Oh, jeez. Because he's like, I want my son's murder found. Yeah, for sure. As um, one does. For some reason, though, in November, the police are like, I don't know if this is the same guy. Why? I don't know. Did someone else take charge of the case? No. Or? They're just like, you know, this was... They're not in the car, so it's weird. They were like, hmm, we can't figure this out, so we're gonna give up for a little bit. And that's why a phantom killer has never been officially caught, but there's a main suspect. There's also a lot of other other suspects, but 
one person in general that just makes the most sense. This is the one that people think, but I'm going to, like, explain stuff as well as things that don't make sense and things that don't work for it. Okay, let's but do it. But there's a lot of stuff. I think you guys should go read all the books and even the rest of this stuff because there is a ton. I want to watch the movie, though. I do also want to watch but I heard it's heavily fictionalized. Yeah, of course But it is. I think the town plays it every um, Halloween in That's the park where dark where Betty and Paul's Aww, car was. was so sad. I know. Like, yeah, no. Um, okay. So a rookie rookie police officer, Max Tackett, was thirty three, and he was from Arkansas State Police. Um, he realized that a car had been stolen on the night of one of the murders, and had. And that a previously stolen car had been found abandoned. So he's now looking at the cars. Smart. Um, on Friday, June 28th, 1946, Max found a car in a parking lot that had been ro- reported stolen. He decided to stake out this car until someone came back to it. And when that happened, he ended up arresting 21-year-old Peggy Swinney. Um, she said that she had just gotten married in Shreveport but that her husband was currently in Atlanta, Texas, trying to sell yet another stolen car. Why does this sound familiar to another case we covered? I don't know. I don't remember what case it was. Homer Carter, what a name, um, was the chief police of Atlanta, Texas, and he told Max that a man had tried selling a stolen car to one of his citizens. He asked to see the citizen and asked that guy if he would recognize the suspect, but he was like, no, nah, I wouldn't. Um, so then Max, me. <laughs> Max looks over at this dude who's telling him I wouldn't know that guy and says he has a very distinct appearance, which is a cowboy hat and boots. I don't know how that's distinct in Texas. In Texas in the 40s, but... But, okay. Maybe he had a... Handlebar mustache. I don't know. <laughs> Just the whole look. Maybe everybody else had switched styles at that point. Anyway, so Max says, you wouldn't recognize him, but I bet he'd recognize you. So would you mind just, like, coming with me <laughs> to all these different bait. places and seeing if people run away from you? And he's like, alright. <laughs> I'll Basically, do it. Sounds dope. Sure. Um... <laughs> So on a Saturday in July, they walk into an Ar- the Arkansas Motor Coach bus station um, when he notices a man run out the back of the building. Uh, so he chases after him and catches him on the fire escape. This man is Yule- That's not suspicious at all. Yeah, this man is Yule Swinney. Yule uh, Swinney. I think it's Swinney. It's S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. Sounds, Sounds like, like Swinney. Swinney to me. Because my mom taught me a long time ago when there's two consonants it makes the vowel go like flat (laughs) like stop (laughs) stopping Mm -hmm. instead of stoping yeah 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 um it was a big big thing in first grade oh definitely a mom lesson too Uh with the way she does grammar so um so soon after the arrest swinney apparently made a lot of incriminating statements which i'll get to later Basically saying that he was a murderer and oh, was afraid of getting sentenced to the electric chair. Um, and they didn't get him on any of that? 
when the police go to his wife, she confessed in great detail that her husband was the phantom killer and that he'd killed Betty and Paul. Um, but her story changed in details across several confessions and conversations. I mean, that's kind so of So the police happens. were like, she must be withholding facts because she's afraid of her husband. Or she did it, some of it, and so she doesn't want to get in trouble. Um, they were all also, right, folks. So the police at the same time were also looking into details of her confession, trying to find something that would stick, that could peg them with it, but it didn't work. But, like, they were trying to locate possessions that she said her husband had, like, thrown out. Mm -hmm. um, they found a shirt with a laundry mark that might have been the Starks. Interesting. But was not certain. She was the most crucial part of the case because literally that's all they had to yeah, go on. Yeah, for real. Um, but she could not be forced to testify against her husband. And she was considered unreliable. You don't say. So they could never arrest him for the murders. Uh, so, because they only had circumstantial sucks. evidence, he was ended up being sent to prison for a habitual car theft offender. I mean, I guess that helps. Um, and then Presley, who would, like, he's he's the son of the sheriff. He writes a book that came out in 2014 that has, like, some of the most oh, evidence in this recent. case. Because recently, the FBI, like, not recently, but, like, I think in 2013, 2014, the FBI dumped, like, everything they had on this case into public knowledge. So okay. you can just go through all of the archives Dude. if you really want to. But there's, like, so much just random shit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, but, I'm um, So he, in his book and his investigation, he says that, like, he has basically most of the collected knowledge, and because he spent so long on this case, because his dad was the sheriff, he was from the area. I think he even got hired as a reporter, like, the a year or two after these murders happened. Mm -hmm. He knew this case, and so yeah, he thinks it's this guy. But he also said that, um, that this sentence was effectively a plea bargain, because they couldn't get him. To confess On to anything, but he was terrified of getting the electric chair. So if he got sent to jail, it would mean that he wouldn't get put to death. And which was even weird because this the the thing he picked as a as a car theft person would have required a jury trial, but he just was like, "We're going to jail." So strange. So here's the circumstantial evidence. So the car Peggy Swinney was arrested for stealing was reported missing on the night of, I think that's, uh, yeah, I know, that's the, that's the second double murder. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, of Richard and Polly. That's who it was. So that was the one that Peggy Swinney was caught coming to. It was, it had okay. been missing that night of their murder. Um, when Max caught Swinney in the fire escape, Swinney said, please don't shoot me, which Max said, I don't shoot you for stealing cars. And then Swinney said, mister, don't play games with me. You want me for more than stealing cars. Oh, shit. He's confessing to all of this. When he was also put in the back of the police car, he asked um, the deputy Johnson, um, what do you think they'll do? to me for this will they give me the chair and he said you don't get much maybe five or ten years they don't give you the chair for stealing cars 
To which he said again, you got me for more than stealing cars. That's so suspicious on so many levels and they really didn't get him for any of it? When a lawyer told Peggy that her husband was being held for murder, she exclaimed, how did they find out? What? Peggy took officers near a spot where Paul's car was found. She said she had walked into the woods there. And the officers found a pair of women's heel prints in the area. Oh, that to me doesn't really mean much, but unless whatever. it was the girl who ran into the woods, Betty, and it's the forties, probably would have been wearing heels, especially yeah. coming from a performance. But like, it's been months, so I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. Mm, that's true. Um, Peggy's family and Yule's brother-in-law, so also Peggy's family, all believe that. Yule was the phantom. Yeah. Which sure. is bad, because usually the family is like, we had no idea. He's such a good boy. He no, they were like, yeah, this, this fucker like, would do probably. this. Um, oh my police God. found a khaki work shirt in the suspect's room with a laundry mark with the word Stark on it, which they were able to read under blacklight. Seems weird. Wonder why you'd have this other person's laundry. In the front pocket of that work shirt was a slag that matched samples from Virgil Stark's welding shop. Uh, he also used to own a thirty-two caliber Colt automatic, but had sold it in a craps game. What the fuck? While being accused of murder, Sweeney never said anything. He just remained silent and kept pleading. Uh, but he didn't plead for innocence. Never. He just was quiet. Uh, Peggy confessed to her pub's uh, her husband's actions, revealing very detailed information, which included some information officers did already know, but some that they did not. But here's problems with it. Yule's fingerprints did not match any of the prints found in the Betty and Paul crime scene. Peggy was very flimsy with her confessions. Mm-hmm. And at one point took it all back. So I don't know how that works. She's an unreliable narrator. Yeah. The Texas Rangers and Sheriff Presley were not convinced that Sweeney was the Phantom. But like, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Um, He denied being the Phantom and never made a confession about it. Officers, including Sheriff Presley and Davis and... Yeah, they both state police departments worked day and night for six months trying to validate Peggy's story of her and her husband's whereabouts. They deduced that Peggy was not telling the truth and that on the night of the murder of uh, Betty and Paul, the couple was sleeping in their car under a bridge near San Antonio. So not even near the area. What's the motive to lie about it then? I don't know. Unknown to be either a prank or a true confession, an anonymous woman contacted family members of two of the victims, one in 1999 and another in 2000, apologizing for what her father had done. But Yul wasn't known to have a daughter ever. So there's a lot of other suspects. I didn't really go into it because I was running out of time and they were, they just didn't seem like it. I read another whole one about some kid who committed suicide after college and said that he'd been the one doing it but there were like no proof like there was not like there wasn't any proof he wasn't around um he didn't know how to shoot a gun he didn't know how to learn he didn't learn to drive a car until after the 
like the shootings, yeah. the murders had happened. So just not enough. So lined up his for family it. all just thought he was a very quiet boy who had gotten too much into the comics and had just created this narrative. That's a good point. Especially with some case so infamous as this and so consuming. Well, especially if teenagers were, like, already going out and trying to kill this motherfucker. Yeah. Like. So, I don't know, but, like, most people settle on Swinney, but I don't know. Maybe something will happen. I have no clue. I want to know. I want to know and I want to watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah. For, for one of our, um. Spooky movies of spooky, spooky season. Movies. What's it called again? The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Well, that's all I got. I don't like that it. That was the Phantom Killer. That's so creepy, Alexa. I was just wild. So like, creepy. The, the cases, the the town. Fucking Katie. You're fucking Katie. Fucking Katie. Also, poor um, Mary, because the cops never believe her. They never I believe know. her story. Poor baby. They did a remake of it in 2014. Oh. Well, it's, you know, it's been seven years. I can do another one. My yeah. Alexa's version. The Alexa cut. I don't like it. I don't like it. It was nuts. It's nuts. Texas but like, is fucking wild. Yeah. Like, I say that Jesus. Much. I like, it was, it feels like a movie when you hear it. It feels crazy. Yeah, it feels like some fucked up M. Night Shyamalan movie. Not an M. Night Shyamalan movie, but the fact that, like, Katie was running around leaving blood and teeth is, like, the most insane thing. And that that was based off a true experience. Like, Yeah, like, because if you saw that at a movie and you were like, she's just dropping teeth everywhere, you'd be like, oh my god. Well, also, one, I'm not watching it because I don't like teeth. Things. Yeah, we're not. Agreed. But, like, you would think that wasn't real when you yeah. watched it. And it's entirely true. Dude, that's crazy. So, yeah. Texas. Jesus. <laughs> you fucking badasses. But, like, just tone it down a little. Uh, and the 40s, you love them. You love it. Yeah. You gotta love it. It's amazing. Why am I born now? <laughs> yeah, you know, world war. Like, what's happening now? Is it fucking Afghanistan? That's... A pandemic? Pandemic. <laughs> You're feebleizing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the crazy shit. If I ain't outside, I should just wire up some pants. I don't know. I like Just, my pants, though. No, your pants um, are nice. I don't have enough. Anyway, thanks for listening. Should we do yeah. some of the things? Wake up. I'm trying. Because we gotta go. Okay, you can find us on Instagram at nope underscore um underscore scared. Follow us like you shoot us a DM. We're always having a chat with you guys. And if you have suggestions, tips, personal stories, Whatever you have. Hometown murders. More fucking mm. shit like this. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, you can send them to us at novainscaredpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can rate, review, follow, share, boost. I don't know. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. We're anyway. The things. Okay. The things. Um, and so thank you very much, guys. And I hope you have a terrified Tuesday. I definitely will. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.